0: Hello, welcome to The Place That You Call Home, a weekly podcast where I, Danine Rowe, speak to a guest about what home means to them and what they would like their home to look like in 10 years' time. Um, I'm really excited for you to listen to the first episode. Um, My guest is Kate Spiliopoulos. Um, She's a wonderful person that I met in my previous life as a think tank person. Um, And I'm really excited for you to hear about what home means to her. I'll pop back in at the end of the episode to share socials and everything else. But until then, enjoy the episode. Kate Spiliopoulos creates events and engagement strategies that help people come together to agree on urban policy. Her events are a place for people to discuss new ideas and fund potential collaborators for the work that will make our cities and towns better places to live. Kate grew up in America with an English dad and an American mum. She's lived in many different cities and is now resident in Nafplio, Greece. Nafplio is a seaside town and weekends destination for Athenians. She's currently investigating how she can apply her political events and engagement skills to create a space for work, creativity, and cultural events in Nafplio. Kate, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me. So Kate, tell me what does home mean to you?
1: Oh, what does home mean to me? Um, well, that's a, a big question. Um, I guess I should explain a little bit about my background first, just so you can kind of understand. All right, um, so, cause that really influences my answer. <laughs> so I am half American and half British, which anybody who's ever lived in England will tell you is not a thing. Uh, <laughs> and I, I grew up and lived most of my life in the States. Um, so you mentioned that I've lived in a lot of different places. So, um, just, uh, sort of an edited list is, uh, I was born in San Francisco, I lived in Chicago, uh, the Oregon coast, Seattle and New York in America. And I spent about a, a year and a half studying in Istanbul. Um, And then London, of course, which is how we know each other. Hooray. Uh, And I currently live in Greece. So um, just to tell a little bit about why, as as an American, I I decided to leave. A bit about London, like once I I got the hang of it, um, London was uh, not what I thought it would be. Like growing up with an English father, the way he described London to me was very different from what my actual experience was when I moved there.
0: Wait, well, how did he describe London to you?
1: Well, like I grew up with all this Englishy stuff, you know, used to have like roast dinners on Sunday. He had all these sort of like, those like hard wooden placemats that middle class people have. (laughs) And things like that, lots of sort of artifacts from his parents. Um, And when I moved to London, I thought I would be living a much more English lifestyle. I had English family there. Um, and by English standards, they were very friendly to me. but um the the integration process wasn't what I thought it would be, and I discovered that London is just so much more diverse and so much more interesting um, than I had expected. And I was coming from New York, you know, it's it's not uh, but um they are they are really, really different. <laughs> so, um, So yeah, I I really loved my first my first few years there. I lived there twelve years, Um, but like, just to be honest, because that's this is what we're talking about. Like, it it started to go a little sour for me around twenty sixteen with the Brexit vote. Um, And you know, again, like I am a nice middle class white lady. I'm not the type of person that's getting hassled on the bus, Um, but you know, or. We're still both immigrants, Leonidas and I, and, and most of my friends were also immigrants. Um, and just to realize, I guess, at, at the time, it felt like how much of the country didn't want us there. Um, maybe that's, that's overdramatic. But it, it, at the very least, it was half of the country could could be convinced that they kind of didn't feel very good about, um, about foreign people and being part of a broader, more multicultural europe um (laughs) it just kind of made me think like "Mm, i i don't know about my long-term future here um and i just i feel like you can become a londoner within a week but you can't become english um even if you like me are technically half english (laughs) like you you just it's it's not doable is my personal experience um and just around so much when I was a kid and and coming from a household where I was half English like I was really hoping that England would become my home in a way that it didn't really work out (laughs) so so like like a lot of people by the time COVID hit and everything in the world was just sort of thrown into upheaval um my husband and I just had a big rethink of what our lives could and should be um and we wanted to spend more time with our son. He was one year old at the time and just live closer to family. And, you know, all of a sudden the possibility of remote working started to look a lot real. <laughs> um, so we, we tested that out. Uh, my, my sister-in-law, who was also an architect in London um, and from Greece, like my husband, uh, she told us in the summer of 2020, like, hey, I'm just going to go like live the summer in our family home. Uh, in Argos, Greece, and I'm just going to remote work from there. Like, do you guys want to come? And at first, I was like, "Ah, ha, 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 that's impossible." Um, but then we're like, "Oh wait, no, that's totally possible." <laughs> so we tried it out, and we just really loved it. And then we we moved here, spring 2021, uh, and we live in Naflia, which is uh, like 15 minutes away from where my husband's hometown is, uh, and the day that we moved here was the 15th of May. And that was when everybody had been released for the first time from lockdown in Greece. And it was just like a huge party. Everybody was out on the streets. They were dancing, there was loud music. Um, And you know, the the first night in your new apartment, you're like, oh my God, this is so noisy. (laughs) Like everybody's so happy. I'm glad about that, but like. Am I ever going to sleep again? Is it going to be like this every night? Uh, yeah. So like, a- everything has taken some getting used to, and my Greek is still really bad. Uh, and I, I think I, I can't, cl- I-, I think I-, I can't claim to like really really deeply understand Greek culture, but I'm learning, and I have like much more, f- more of a community, more friends. Like in, in Greek, you call it a aparea, a together like your crowd of people that you hang with so yeah it's coming along and that's that's my background
0: (laughs) so you moved around quite a bit when you were younger sort of every few years um which sounds like quite full-on how did you find that
1: yeah i mean that's just they, they were used to moving around a lot so so um like I was saying like they would just really encourage me to like start from a totally blank slate and leave uh, all the all the people the friends the places the habits just completely behind put them out of my mind when we move to a new place and just focus on that new place and being present there um so like adaptability and independence were really the values that I was taught um and I still think those are very important things to to be able to do, but now that I'm I'm about to turn forty next year, I'm just again doing like a really big reevaluation of my life. Like, what was the past like? What do I want the future to be like? Um, and I think trying to keep up old friendships and connections, as well as as making new ones while I'm here, is is a really important part of that for me. Um, because, yeah, it's just that's what makes life good. <laughs> Um, But the place that just always really feels like home to me, no matter where I'm living, is the Oregon coast. Yeah, I don't know if I've talked to this about you. like (laughs) Talk to to you about this, what I mean to say. Anyway, I don't know if you've talked about this before, but um, yeah, because we've talked about Seattle and New York. But um, yeah, the Oregon coast, which is the only place I've ever lived that's not like a city. Um, is where I really, really feel at home. And I just have so much love for that area and, and everything about it. So, um, when I was a little girl, every summer we would drive from wherever we were living in America to my grandparents' house. Um, and that's in a town called Nahalem, Oregon, population 232. Um, yeah so that's in kind of like it's the the northwestern corner of that state um and their house was like an old farmhouse and it's surrounded by 40 acres of old growth temperate rainforest um so i think i think actually britain has a little bit of temperate rainforest it's almost extinct but you guys should really be taking care of that because it's amazing i love it so much like think just like huge evergreen trees they're covered in moss like ferns everywhere berries we had a creek with salmon in it um like all of that um so you know i i just loved that it's a place that we would go to consistently all the time um my mom's catholic she has a really big family so i'd have like a whole bunch of cousins to run around with uh my grandfather grew up there uh so he would teach me all the different edible plants in the forest um which I just love like I still love the taste of um wood sorrel just really like takes me back you know those those sense memories you have when you taste something from when you were a kid it was just it was a crazy like wild time and I loved spending so much time in nature and then like getting to understand it um you know it was like it was farming country but like We'd be kept up late by like Lynx having a fight on the lawn or something. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I really love it there. And now both both my grandparents on that side are are dead and the house has been sold. And the trees, I can tell from Google Earth, are slowly being sold off to logging companies, which just kills me. <laughs> but that's how life is. Um, you know, when that happened, I wasn't really old enough to say I'm going to go out there and, and live there. So. Nobody wants to live in the house. Nobody wants to pay taxes on the house. Like, you lose your heritage. That's how it goes. Um, But I did go back this summer for the first time in 10 years. Um, It was amazing. (laughs) And I I just, I really wanted to show it it to to Nikos, who's my four-year-old son, uh, for the first time. And it was so great. Like, I can still remember all the things my grandfather taught me walking in the forest, like I'm like eating huckleberries related to some of the policy stuff because I know both you and I are very interested in in policy. My very, very favorite place in the whole world is Short Sand Beach in Oswald West State Park. Um, That's really it's uh, close to where my grandparents used to live. And we used to go there when I was growing up and look at all the tidal pools. But that park is named after Oswald West, who is the governor who in 1913 saw that people were trying to commercialize the beaches along that stretch of coastline and he declared all of oregon's beaches a public highway uh and therefore owned and accessible by all oregonians and unprivatizable unprivatizable yeah they can't be privatized basically in perpetuity
0: oh my gosh the people at my work would love to hear that um, but now you're in Nafplio, so please tell us all about it.
1: I live in a seaside town um, whose main industries are agriculture and tourism. So that is the same, actually. So let me just tell you a little bit about Nafplio. Uh, so where I live, um, it's a town of about 15,000 people. Um, and it's on the Gulf of Argolida, which is kind of like, gosh, is it part of the Aegean, I think? Yes. Can't believe I have not memorized this. You know, it's the sea. It's just everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of important in Greek culture. Um, and the, the region is called the Peloponnese. Um, so the thing that every Greek person knows about Nafplio is that it was the first capital of Greece after they had the revolution against the Ottomans in the 1820s. Um, but of course, like, it's it's a very ancient place there've been people here uh, i'm sure longer than i i can even begin to comprehend but in terms of vibes um, there've actually been quite a few different types of people here and most of the old town as it is now and this huge hulking fortress that we have that kind of overlooks the whole city called the Palamidi those were all built by the venetians um so <laughs> they were the they were the big colonial force here um and they, they kind of passed control of the area back and forth between the Ottomans, who, who got it in the end. They, they very cleverly waited until the fortress was done being built, almost, and then they just took it over. Saved them a lot of money, I'm sure. Um, but because the Venetians built most of it, like, there's a lot of just, like, little alleyways, and I guess at the time they would have been piazzas, now they're pletia, uh, that just have a really Italian look to them. It's all red tile roofs. Lots of uh, bougainvillea flowers hanging around. It's very romantic looking. Um, and, you know, people who come here for the weekend or, or on a short trip really like that. I like it too. Um, and most of the old town is also completely pedestrianized. Uh, you know, except for, for motor scooters. Greek people think those don't count. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love that it's pedestrianized because it's, it's just really safe to let even very small children play. You can just let them play in the square. All the grownups can have like a glass of wine and talk. Um, And it's very chill. And like, yeah, I think that's definitely the vibe. Um, The rest of the town, that's not like the old town touristy part, just looks like any medium-sized, greeny, medium-sized Greek town from this region. There's a lot of independent shops. But that doesn't mean what it means in London. It's not like there's a lot of little boutiques where you can buy a dress for 500 pounds. Uh, it's just like everybody here, I think people like being their own boss here. And there's there's room for a lot of small independent shops. Like we've got a TV repair shop, which I don't think I've seen in London in a long time. Um, no. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of that sort of thing. Um, and everybody drives everywhere, which is also the culture here which um, I'm not personally a big fan of, but I completely understand why they do. Um, and the surrounding region has a lot of agriculture, uh, as I said, so my husband's parents, in addition to the other jobs that they've done, um, uh, they also grow oranges and olives and artichokes, and they've got like a small kitchen garden outside of, outside of town. I think that's pretty standard for most people around here. Real shame. Because when, when you see things, when you're like, oh, God, it's like almost there. This could be so good is in a lot of uh, Mediterranean cities that I've been to. They have these beautiful old towns or kind of like the center of town or the tourist district where they have these great wide pavements, lots of greenery, pedestrianized areas. Um but because it's the tourist center, they're only full of shops. Um, and there isn't really like anybody, there's not enough people living there. Like it's not like a residential neighborhood. Um, so you don't get that sort of Jane Jacobsy vibe because <laughs> there isn't anybody hanging out there to like just like doing their life. Like there's a few, but, but most people either their houses are, are outside of that area. Um, And so the places where people are actually living, um, (laughs) you can see that it is that way in town. But I will say too that this is a, because it's a smaller town than I'm used to living in, like uh, you, you don't know everybody, but every time you go out, you're going to see somebody that you know, and you're going to stop and have a chat. I, I got told by by one of my friends from Athens, the, the measure of whether you're living in like a Greek city or like Greek, like town or countryside is whether people are honking their car horns at you to be like, get out of the way, or whether they're honking their car horns at you to be like, oh, like, hi, I see you, I'm waving at you. <laughs> and I want <laughs> to sound like I'm trashing London because I love it, but I, I would say, um, one difference in socializing is that I don't think I've ever seen anyone drunk here ever. Ever. (laughs) Like maybe once at a wedding. Um, here around like going out and having a good time on the weekend is totally different. Um, and I like it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, but I will say just, just to give London and global cities some credit, uh, that the things that I miss the most, aside from my my friends and family and, and former co-workers, uh, is just having the sort of vibrant and diverse cultural scene you get in a global city, like just having such a choice of like so many art openings, so many musical performances, so much theater, like overwhelming choice. Um, we do have theater here and we do have cinema, but like you, know, we, you get a choice of, two movies and they're going to be whatever movie is going to make the most money for the cinema. So, (laughs) yes, exactly. (laughs) It's just like Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. I went and saw John Wick 4. I had a great time, but, you know.
0: So, um, has not having access to a lot of that like American sort of English culture and a broad range of culture sort of pushed you to engulf yourself in culture and naplio. You know, I, I really hope I am. Um
1: I'm I'm putting a lot of effort and, and resource into making a life here. Uh after after COVID happened, I do kind of feel like any long term plan that you make is really just like kind of like guesswork. <laughs> uh but yeah you know what i really hope we're still here in 10 years time i love it here um and like i'll, I'll talk more about this later but i just i just want to show it off to everybody like how how good it is here and how interesting um yeah and i, I just i want to be part of it i want to i don't know I, i'll never be uh, a greek by but i would like fredo espresso by fredo espresso to to become greek and be a real thing.
0: okay so what have you got for your last idea about what you'd like to see in nafrio in 10 years time <laughs> um and
1: i think this this is what comes of of working in in sort of research and, and policy sector for such a long time I'm like, ah, oh, we should be doing this program and this program. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm mean, funnily enough, because I, I've never been a huge, huge environmental sustainability person, but most of the things that I would like to see over the next ten years time are are kind of around that theme. Um, but all right, I'm I'm gonna get into it, um, and I'm sure some of these ideas will will be familiar to you. <laughs> so um, just because you can tell, I'm I'm so interested in in food as a as a cultural force as an economic force and like of the amazing produce that we have here i like i would really love to see like a a serious program of support for the local restaurants here and like a a mentoring scheme especially Um, so look we're a tourist town and we have a lot of the type of restaurant culture here that comes with tourist towns Mm. Like some people, uh, some people when they come here, like the, the people that are serving them know that like, they're gonna be serving them that day and they don't really need to have a lot of repeat customers if you're in the big tourist area. Um, like I, I don't fault them for that. They're giving people like what they're asking for and exactly that and not not going further. Like, you know, that's the economic reality. Um, and I would all also- that beauty but just increase the reputation for like, you're gonna come out and you're gonna have an amazing time and you're gonna eat the best food you've ever had in your life um, and chill on the beaches and see some great things. Next thing, next thing. Um, so I've mentioned it already, but pavements and street trees, street trees is my huge, huge thing. So um, pavements here, you call them sidewalks in America, in, in Greek. Um, But it's just, it's kind of like a part of the whole car culture thing where parking is prioritized over people moving around and I think anybody who uses a pram or a wheelchair or um, in America we call it a dolly, I think you guys call it hand truck, like moving in uh, heavy objects into shops, yeah, uh, or a large suitcase if you're a tourist, like anybody who's using any of those things should be able to walk from one end of town to the other, (laughs) which would take you about 20 minutes uh without having to step into the street or ask for help like that's just very simple and like my my uh tiny dream rebellion that i I probably won't ever do is i just want to take like a pram around town and some sidewalk chalk and mark every single place that's impassable um but i don't think i could ever buy enough chalk so (laughs) that won't work um we just had a big win with the street that runs parallel to mine there was a mayoral election last month which is always preceded by this big flurry of last minute infrastructure upgrades to be like look what I'm providing for you <laughs> reelect me <laughs> and they install these they installed these nice wide pavements where there was just like there was literally nothing before it was kind of like a gravel wasteland um but they they either didn't plan or have money for street trees uh and given the climate here and the heat that's intensifying every year you know like it's it's what, the 9th of November today? I could still very easily go for a swim in the sea. It's It's been, I don't know, 25 degrees. This- if you have a public walkway or a playground or any kind of public space, they're just not practical if they don't have any shade. Um, there's no use building really nice ones because people won't use them. And I know that's a challenge because roots can crack the pavements and the fruits and leaves can make a mess. And that calls for upkeep, which calls for money that we don't have. Um, But you know what, like I think we could tinker with it. And I think we could do things like set up a tree adoption program street by street. Like there's a lot of people here who have different times in their day that they could look after things and and feel proud of them. Like let's plant some oranges that we're literally famous for or or bitter oranges um, and plant them all over town and collect them to make like an official town marmalade that we can sell the tourists yeah and like you know what like hotter weather it's a reality it's not going away we're going to be ending up changing our behavior one way or another so like let's just start now <laughs> and if it's me or if it's me and somebody else or if it's somebody else doing it not as good as i can and i'm also doing it then that's okay with me um, so um what i would really like to see in nephleo is having a local space and i think that's probably a physical space That could be kind of work and study focused during the day and have kind of a community around that. And then in the evening, have a cultural offer that could work really well for both tourists and locals. Um, So we have quite a few people in town that run small companies. Um, Like I said, there's a lot of like really small independent businesses or uh, like architecture firms, infrastructure firms, things like that. Uh, and because the rent is really expensive in town, which we've got a lot of small companies actually can't afford office space. Um, so people are working from their kitchen tables, uh, just like me. Uh, and we also have kind of a mix of, of local and visiting remote workers. Um, people from Athens, people internationally, and you know, people like my husband who remote works every day and, and then sometimes has to go into to London occasionally. Um, so we've got a lot of those type of people. And we also have a university in town and lots of high school, uh, students that just need like a nice place, but a focus place to do some studying, a little coffee, a little food, like, you know how that is. Um, and I'd like to pull something together that's not just like a nice place to work for a day or two, like co-working space. You and I have both been in co-working spaces. I like you say the word co-working space to me. And I think like, ugh, not for me. So that's not really what I have in mind. I think I I want something that's like a great cafe, but also kind of is a service that's connecting people. And if the rent is so expensive and your space is so small, like you just want to have that third place that you can go to. And we don't really have that. We've got a lot of places to get coffee, but they're all very, very open and exposed and you, you can't have a private conversation. So something along those lines, but then I think like in the evening time, this place should be focused on having like interactive workshops, cinema, readings, lectures, art, um, that just highlights the the beauty and the uniqueness of, of Nathliot culture and Greek culture. Um, so I want something that's that works for tourists and locals. Nothing Zorba-y. Um, you want that, you want, like, your Opa moment, like, there's plenty of places you can go for that. That's covered. But um, I, I just want to do something, like, like, places that are going to have have a place for, uh, like, a workshop that's going to tell you, like, here's the local wines that we have in this region. And if you want to know about them, like, here's five guys that have been doing this since the 1970s that are going to tell you. I think I, I just want to somehow create and curate a place that's really vibrant and welcoming because through my whole life i've had this real longing for being part of a big community um and like fitting in but not having to change too much about myself and like really kind of like understanding like what it means to be here about like the food the terroir the culture the the nature um and and I also like really really like curating things and showing people something new that they're surprised by and fall in love with, um, or that they've always kind of loved but they didn't know that everybody else around them really loves too. Um, and yeah, I think like it, it would be presumptuous of me to try and interpret Greek culture for people because I'm not Greek, but uh, I I don't I wouldn't want to do it by myself. I want to find everybody that's doing something really interesting that they want to share in town and get them all together and just show off how cool they are. And I think being able to do that is the most satisfying feeling.
0: Kate, thank you so much. It has been lovely to hear your ideas, but if people want to maybe work with you or just find out a bit more about what you've got going on where can people find you um
1: i haven't actually thought about that uh i currently have a twitter profile x i guess i don't want to call it that um (laughs) so but you can find me there uh at spilleth underscore over spilleth over my last name is is Spiliopoulos, but that's too long for most people to spell that don't speak Greek. Um, so you can find me there. Not very often these days. I think I'm, I'm moving to Blue Sky. Thank you, Denine. I'm really, really pleased that you are doing this. And I, I can't wait to hear other people's stories about.
0: So that was Kate. Um, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Kate is wonderful. Her life is so interesting. I wish I could share absolutely everything that we spoke about. Um, But as always, you're welcome to get in touch with me. Uh, I am at short sarky, S-A-R-K-Y-8-8 on uh, all platforms.